You're listening to The Calling. For the past several weeks, we've explored the conditions of our heart, and in doing so, we've acknowledged that we have footpaths, shallow soil, and weeds that prevent God's Word from bearing fruit. Before we move forward, though, I want to show the risks involved if we do not actively address these conditions in our heart, especially now as it relates to us in 2021. This week, we're going to examine John chapter 21, verses 20 through 23, along with other scripture, and Lord willing, we'll continue to grow together. We are born to be influential. And what I mean by this is that we're programmed to influence and to be influenced by others. In other words, we're built for relationships. And this is a topic that we've addressed frequently on other podcasts. And we use this to, to justify our actions, our stances on a topic. We use this to support our behavior and an attitude. We use others to explain why we did something or something occurred. As kids, we're often asked, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you do it? The logical answer is no, but let's be real. Life's choices and the influence we encounter are never that straightforward, are they? My children frequently use, well, he's doing it, or she started it, and almost always cast blame or point out their accomplices. As parents, my wife and I frequently educate the children and most often use the line, what are you supposed to be doing? You know better. How many of us know better upon reflection? (laughs) Hindsight, right? This way of thinking begins during childhood and evolves as we age, providing opportunity for weeds to grow. We see it in forms of resentment, entitlement, envy, anger, among other emotions. The life experiences that generate these emotional reactions increase the likelihood we struggle with the temptation and the other vices that uproot our shallow plants, and if we're not careful, our heart will be covered with footpaths. Now, this is the cliff note version of a cycle that begins with our relationships with others. During my faith walk with Jesus, my pride has gotten and continues to get in the way. Shedding the perception that I am the man isn't always easy. For example, as a case manager and advocate for adults with intellectual disabilities, I have the opportunity to provide a voice for people who are typically silenced. On paper, this position sounds very rewarding. However, in reality, my voice is not as influential as I want it to be. And this humbling revelation has left me asking God, what about him? I love you, Jesus. I'll feed your sheep, but what about? How do you serve God? Are you able to remain focused on Him, your calling in your life? Or do you at times find yourself in that humbling experience asking Jesus, what about Him? I'm positive if you've taken this time to do an honest reflection over these weeks of your heart, you would be able to identify these situations and recognize the very thing in which I'm speaking of. With that, let us invite the Holy Spirit into our heart and refocus our minds to God's Word. Turn with me to John chapter 21. We're going to pick up in verse 21. It states, When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among believers and that a disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What is that to you? You must follow me. Amen.
Now for perspective and context, at this time, Jesus has already resurrected, and this is the third time appearing to his disciples. It's after breakfast that Jesus is speaking to Peter, and Peter is asked to feed his sheep. And Jesus asked this question three times, and this upsets Peter. And if we were to back it up to verse 17, we would read, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I point this out on the heels of discussing the weeds on our heart because we have a tendency to get mixed up with what everyone else is doing. And like Peter, we allow that to distort our focus and disrupt our path of following Jesus. This time of losing sight and doing what everyone else is doing is well documented throughout the Bible. And to make this thing even more, it starts with the church. And when I say the church, I mean you and me. Read Paul's letters. We learn in Corinthians that they're being allowed and being led by false teaching and being led astray. We learn in the church of Galatia, in chapter 1, it states, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, the church is instructed to be alert and see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And through it all, the body of Christ is taught in Ephesians chapter 3 that God's purpose in all of this was that the church is to display his wisdom and the rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I've referenced this scripture before because in context and discussing the struggles that we encounter, it comes from the body of Christ. It comes from within. A lot of times when we reference influence, we think of outside influences coming into us. The church has always though, experienced insurrection, and this is not new or unique We've discussed the enemy's plan to separate us by infiltrating the body of Christ, and this historical attack strategy is documented throughout humanity. Moses was speaking directly to God, and yet we become impatient. And that shallow soil on our hearts led us to turn to alternatives to God after wandering around the wilderness. Prophets like Ezekiel and Amos were given a responsibility of communicating God's judgment due to the nonsense going on within the church, which in turn affected the people. Read through kings and judges. Watch the cycle of God and false teachings and idols. Process how the weeds and shallow soil on people's heart are directly impacted by others and the spiritual leaders of that time. This podcast has discussed the human condition and the need for relationships, which is why we are so easily influenced by others. It is this caution that I continue to communicate that helps us prepare for the life transitions which is why we've talked about spiritual development, spiritual attacks, and the need to armor up to stand firm. Our heart has a lot going on, and the influence is everywhere, even within. And with everything going on in our own life, it is inevitable 
to not stop and ask, what about him? From that very thought of comparison, we lose our focus and open ourselves up to outside influence, which blindly identifies the shallow soil, the footpaths, and the weeds of our heart. Now, the church has had many forms since its inception. Church reformation is is a pretty common practice throughout our Christian history. And it begins when the church begins to align itself with the organizational model by allowing worldly influence to shape it. As a result, it forces others to form a new Christ-centered church. It begins to recognize that the church is no longer focused on Christ and is losing its way. It becomes people-centered and not Christ-centered. The Reformation occurs when our church stops communicating a message of Christ and begins to use the Bible as filler for personal agendas. Now, I'm not bashing your denomination or devaluing the purpose of gathering together and worship at a church service. I'm only pointing out that the American church continues to allow worldly influence to shape us once again. We are no longer seeking the personal relationship with Jesus, and we're becoming overly reliant on someone else to tell us how to be a Christian instead of filling out the application to be a disciple. We're asking, what about him? And using others to justify our faith efforts. Don't take my word for it. As you've searched your own heart these last several weeks, have you found your footpaths? What about that rocky soil? Your weeds? Have you noticed the areas in your life promoting spiritual growth or the areas in your life that have drowned out the Word of God? Now be honest and ask yourself, which one of these areas do your church and church community contribute to? Need another example? Watch how our local churches function together with other local churches. I'm willing to bet that there's not a whole lot of collaborating work going on right now. And before we think, well, that's because of COVID. No, this has been going on for decades, for generations. We become concerned with what about him, that we don't hear Jesus tell us, what is it to you? You follow me. There's no greater example in our country of this degradation within the body of Christ than to review the current events. Race, gender, equality are among the distorted headlines that ironically create division and battle lines within the battle of Christ. Calls for justice become demands for revenge. And we are becoming a people losing our way, who are held and led by false prophets and bad teachers. And because of this, we are spiritually starving. We are being told to form anti-racism churches and educate ourselves on the struggle of black and brown people. We're being called to be woke. But in doing so, we're replacing God's word with man's word. This is ironic because if the church is operating within the expectations defined by the Bible, defined by Scripture, then they're already anti-racism. They're already anti-hate everything. There is no need to draw special attention, and doing so could be viewed as racist. (gasps) You shut your dirty white mouth. Well, if we're following God's word, if we're actively feeding sheep and following Jesus, then we know that this rhetoric is contradictory to God's word. And look no further than the Bible. In chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, Let us make human beings in our image be like us. God created human in his own image. In image God created them, male and female, he created them. 
If you want to keep reading, feel free. But you'll notice skin color is not referenced. Why? Because we are one people. One people. Who although look different, sound different, and experience differences, we are created in one image. To create anything else and to communicate anything else is a complete disregard for the very scripture our faith is built on. You need to be woke. You're blind, brother. Well, being woke in the eyes of man means you are already dead in the eyes of God. God calls us to be disciples of the gospel, to follow Jesus. Not to isolate one person's struggles over another based on their skin color or any other category of division. Doing so only increases the divide. And here's the real kick in the teeth. This logic only keeps people prisoner to sin that they may never have actually encountered. What do you know? You're white. Yes. Yes, I am. And this rebuttal only validates the word of God and the biblical truth that is communicated. Who do you think you are? Who are you to challenge the church? You're not an ordained minister. Who are you to denounce racial movements? Well, in case I failed to mention before, I'm just a dude that God is using to communicate a message. And believe me, brothers and sisters, I am in no way holding that first stone or even standing in a crowd. I know my life is covered in sin, just like anyone else. And I'm in no way discrediting those who have been victims of racial hate because hate does exist. I'm only issuing a reminder that God's word, our salvation, is built on forgiveness and grace. And the freedom from guilt of past sin is only obtainable through Jesus Christ. Anything else keeps you prisoner and maintains a bondage that this world hopes to keep. But we want justice. Now you need to read Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21 states, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. We have to keep forgiving because that's what Jesus did for us. That is the very sacrifice that he made. And to not do that, to hold out that forgiveness and that grace for certain parties, for certain people, for certain circumstances, is not what the scripture, is not what your salvation communicates to you or anybody else easy for you to say you're not being killed by police correct i have not but people are being killed by others every day and this is a travesty to create a priority of justice for those who have been killed and by who they've been killed by only devalues the sacred life we all have in god's eyes to redefine justice based on a subjective emotion authenticates the need for god's perfect justice Now, I know I'm hyper-focused on racial today, but the underlying message is not limited to this topic. Every time the church diverts from scripture to make exceptions to social ideas, we encounter spiritual strife. This applies to how we view sin, and before we know it, we don't have anything to stand on looking around asking, how did we get here? I say all that to share this. The greatest threat to Christianity is not homosexuality, it's not abortion or gender, racism or sin in general. The greatest threat to our 
body of Christ is the inability for you and I to listen to God. We are worried about the other guy, that we don't actively listen to Jesus telling us to follow him. Our children are the greatest examples of this. Our youth are being raised to challenge authority without hesitation. There's no more right or wrong. There's only me and how I feel. The weeds of life choke out God's seed and as a result leaves us with shallow soil which allows for those brief moments of rejuvenated faith and where we feel good only to fail to bear fruit because we give in to temptation. We give in to tribulation. And this effectively creates a sin cycle that we can't find ourselves out of. And before we know it, those areas become footpaths, hardened by life events. We no longer walk in the garden seeking God's word. We walk on the ground that previously had God's word planted on it. And it all starts by losing our way, by looking at someone else and thinking, you should have what they have, by believing that because they are doing it, it must be all right. What about him? What about me? What about me, God? What about me? Like the church, I find myself struggling to not conform to the world around me. It's disheartening to speak out in the name of what is right only to fall on deaf ears. It wasn't until I slapped upside the head with John chapter 21 did I realize that my skill set does not define me. That my inability to be heard does not halt the path that Jesus has given me. And when this discouragement occurs, I find myself asking Jesus, what about him, Lord? And I'm reminded, what is it to you? You follow me, Jesus said. And when you remember who we serve, we will begin to let go of our personal desires, the comparison, the worldly influence, and be empowered to remove the weeds and prevent our heart from becoming covered in footpaths and dust of wilted plants. This week, I encourage you to seek and search your heart for God's direction and assistance to ensure that the plants begin to bear God's fruit. Begin examining your role within the body of Christ. Are you contributing to the weeds? Are you an accomplice to Bible alternative ideologies? Locate these areas of influence. For instance, if you spend more time reading social media or watching Fox and CNN than you do your Bible, that may be a good place to start. And if what I'm saying challenges you or you believe I'm off base, send an email to the underscore calling at hotmail.com. Let's talk. But if you do nothing else after listening to this podcast, please take time to read your Bible. Ask God to reveal to you the truths in which our faith is built on. Don't just take my word for it or discredit what I'm saying because you do not agree. Seek God's wisdom. Actively listen and accept his call to you. America, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his inevitable qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
Claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against their natural ways to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them for their foolish thinking and let them do things that they never should have done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, and are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they are encouraged others to do the same. Romans chapter 1, 18-32 God is calling you to follow Him. Will you answer?